morning. This is like really surreal. Being up here always. It's good for my perfectionistic nature. We're gonna talk about that today. Okay, so like Dawn said, I've been at the church since it started, which is such a blessing to watch the Lord um, grow his church from a baby into just an explosion of faithful people who love the Lord and are excited to serve him. Um, And so many people have just moved away and left and gone to other places, and I'm always hearing just how much um, FBC has really um, been like a spiritual um, haven for them and just not even realizing it until they move away. So it's such a joy uh, to be a part of Faith Bible um, and to be serving there for, what did we say, Lauren? Like a long time. 18 years. 18 years. I don't feel that old, but I am. Um, I know when I hear I have kids that are 14 and 16, it's like, do I? I do. <laughs> it's just weird. I don't feel that old. Is I don't anyone else feel that way? <laughs> Uh, Okay, well this morning we're going to dive right in. Um, If you have more questions about me, you can talk to me after. Um, We're going to be talking about PMS, and this is not going to be a medical chat, don't worry. Um, But I am a nurse, so we can talk about that if you have problems later. (laughs) Um, But for this morning... PMS for us is going to be perfect mom syndrome. So let's go ahead and dive in. If you look at your outline, the first point on there is what is PMS, perfect mom syndrome? And here's a definition that I've kind of put together. Oh, before I say that, I do, much of what I've talked about has come from this book, which is I think what some of the um, ideas for what you guys have been talking about this year. Um, but I went through this book with some gals, and was it two years ago? Okay. Two years ago, um, Walking with God in the Season of Motherhood. It's by Melissa Kruger. Um, and this is the last chapter um, in that book. So if you want to know more, or probably even more thorough than what I'm just going to say today, look in there. Um, these are not original ideas. Um, okay, so the definition, a self-imposed idea of what you're supposed to be as a mom, an idea of what your family should or has to look like in order for you to be deemed as a successful mother. So at its core, it's perfectionism, a pride-based performance style of living where you live by a self-appointed standard that must be reached at all costs or you will be a failure. So what does this look like? Now that that, doesn't that sound exciting? Aren't you glad you came? (laughs) Ah. So this is you doing, or me doing, everything in my power and control to make my home and my family in it conform to my set of standards and rules so that I can be a success. You often even overlook, sometimes, your own family or my own family to attempt to accomplish these goals to be a perfect mom. It can also come along with the false pretense that if you're able to get everyone to fall into line, and if you control everything, that you will have this dream home and family, and that all your kids will turn out to be these perfect, godly people and the most productive citizens of our society. You'll be raised up at the city gates and honored. (laughs) 
If you sense the sarcasm there, you're paying attention. I'm very sarcastic, so hopefully you'll catch on to that and know when I'm joking. We'll see. We can talk about that later if I offend you. Um, but maybe you're saying, Tracy, I am in no way a perfectionist. In fact, actually, I'm the opposite. I'm kind of more of like the hippie, free-living idea going on at my house. But that, too, is also a lifestyle that's still a self-imposed idea of you trying to reach certain goals in order to achieve that view of what it means to have a successful home and be a successful parent. So both really have a pride bend of doing parenting and having your home be your way. Um, let's see where we're there. It's easy to see the perfectionism side with pride, but it's also there what I call the hippie side too. Um, on the hippie side, there's really no rules, right? You're allowing your kids the freedom to just grow into themselves with little parameters. And instead of having total control like the perfectionism side, you lack almost any control at all. So neither of these ideas are biblical. And we're going to tackle both of them um, a little bit and also in the scenarios afterwards. Um, and we're also going to dive into, if you look at the top, into grace today. Because that's really the answer to perfectionism. Um, so here's some tangible things if you're like, I don't really know if this is one of my problems or not. Here's some ways that you can see it flush out in kind of everyday life. Um, you're, you're over controlling. I'm stubborn in getting my own way. I'm a rule follower. Um, I fly off the handle when things don't go my way. I have judgmental attitudes. I'm comparing myself to others' moms and what they look like and what they can accomplish. And then also what I cannot. Or it's on the other side where I'm looking at other people's kids and how they act versus mine, and I'm feeling superior, like mine are better. Um, both of these are really um, a sign of perfectionism. Um, also, sometimes when you're with your kids, we're going to see this in one of the scenarios today, uh, you just feel like you're a failure, you feel insufficient, uh, you get embarrassed um, when your kids don't act accordingly. Um, another one is judging. Um, another judgmental way of looking at it is by looking at the mess of other people's and you're boasting and become puffed up about how much better your kids are. Oh, I just mentioned that one and how, how my kids are put together is so much better than other people's kids. This was definitely a struggle for me um, early on because I have like really compliant children which come with its own set of problems, right? Because they're little Pharisees. Um, but that was a big struggle in my heart that the Lord really has been working on. And don't worry, the teenage years, you'll get humbled. Um, <laughs> another one is obsessing over looking good on the outside, uh, but you're doing little work on the inside, on your character and your heart. Sometimes this looks like your house being a mess all the time, but when the company comes over, you stuff it all in the closets and in the laundry room. Instead of consistently trying to be organized and a good steward and teaching your kids how to take care of their stuff, um, so you're caring more about what pe how people view you externally. Um, wanting to be recognized as a perfect mom, I call this glory stealing and a glory hog. I also struggle with this. Uh, we're going to talk about that in one of the scenarios today, throwing the perfect party to gain recognition as the mom who excels them all um, and not doing it for the right motives. And that's what we're going to talk about later too. This really all leads to joyless parenting parenting for results instead of shepherding the hearts of your kids. 
There's also other ways that this can show up. Um, it can show up as fear. You can be fearful and anxious over every little detail, right? Worrying that it won't turn out or that you've forgotten something and you're gonna be looked at as a failure. You can also have a fearfulness over making decisions uh, for fear that you'll make the wrong decision. So you never make plans. You never have people over. Uh, you never give gifts. You're kind of in a sense almost paralyzed. Um, another way you can see this, this is the last one is constantly apologizing over everything you do. Does anyone ever do that? <laughs> I do that a lot. Um, because you feel like you're never good enough or that you're always falling short and you need to apologize because like you want them to know, I tried, I know I'm not good. <laughs> I think sometimes that can mask as being um, humble, but that's actually not, you're actually prideful. So as we can expect from this long laundry list, the pressure to perform can build up like a time bomb. And this adds up to us living by a set of wrong expectations, wrong expectations on myself, wrong expectations on my family, and that can lead to a skewed set of priorities and really an emotional roller coaster when those standards aren't met. I'm hoping that at this point, you can all relate to this in some way, shape, or form and find yourself in some of those scenarios that I talked about. Side note, we are gonna be getting into those scenarios today and talk even more about the nitty gritty um, of what to do when we fall into these traps. But I'm gonna actually go into um, oh, no, I'm going to talk about this first, sorry. Um, for those in the perfection category like me, let me calm your anxious and angry hearts right now really quickly because I think there's a lot of buts here, right? But I'm supposed to have a pretty home. I'm supposed to keep things organized. Aren't I supposed to be a planner? And it is true, God calls us um, to have order and plan to our day. He is a God of order. He calls us to be good stewards, being organized and diligent and keeping up on our tasks um, and to be one anothering, which can require cleaning and beautifying our homes and making special events and being creative. Um, but the godly application of this has to be with the right motives behind our labor and planning. And second, we also have to be ready to submit to God's plans, right? Because Perfectionistic people don't like plan B. <laughs> and we have to be willing to have open hands um, in our plans to what God has for us. Um, and that often does require a plan B or C or D. Um, so let's see what God's word says. Uh, second on your outline, it says there, what does the Bible say about PMS? Perfection, mom syndrome. First of all, Perfectionism is unattainable. If you go in your Bibles to Romans 3, uh, 21 through 28, I'm going to read it here. It should be a pretty familiar passage to most of you. Let me find it here. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what comes of our boasting? It is excluded by what kind of law? 
by a law of works, no, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Is that verse 28? Yes, I really need glasses. <laughs> I am getting old. A chasm separates us from attaining holy perfection and spotless righteousness. So here our bubble has been popped, right? In verse 23, it says, there is no one who can do good, not even one. And to operate under the assumption that it's, that it's all going to plan out, pan out perfectly has one inherent flaw. Does anybody know what that is? Yeah, it involves you and me and we're sinners. <laughs> and most likely whatever we have cooked up involves other sinners as well, right? And therefore it's usually set up for a disaster. So I don't know why we all think it's gonna go great. We're optimists. Um, to quote Ali Stuckey in that book that Kari shared earlier, the title of her book is You Are Not Enough. And that's really what she talks about is how we aren't enough because of our sin problem, right? We're unable to accomplish what we set out to do. And honestly, even sometimes we may actually accomplish what we set out to do, but it doesn't satisfy. Our independent work apart from Christ cannot bring lasting satisfaction. Christ alone satisfies. He alone can satisfy that payment for, his, for our sin and his way alone can satisfy even our heart's longings. Beale, who's an author who writes a book um, on finding your satisfaction in Christ, says people may resort to empty idols for security, but such idols will vanish and be cast away to the trash because they are worthless and cannot provide security except false security, and there is no fulfillment in earthly idols. Perfectionism makes our ideas, our prescribed way of living, into an idol. We're creatures full of faults, and this makes our ways faulty and unreliable. We have to look to the one who is holy and perfect and follow his ways, for they are really higher than our own. So now we know we have this sin problem, right? And we know the only one that we can go to is Jesus to, to correct that and make it right. And really the second point here um, we're going to talk about is God's grace on us. Fortunately, we don't have to rely on our, on our successes or fall into despair with our failures because in Christ, we're granted the gift of grace where Jesus provides us with purpose, identity, value, and truth to which we can find complete and total satisfaction. Borrowing again from Ali Stuckey's book, it says in exchange for the confusion and exhaustion with trying to be enough, he gives us peace and relief. When we miss out on this truth, we stay stuck in a vicious cycle of trying to measure up to impossible standards while simultaneously convincing ourselves that we're good enough the way we are. Living in such a way can have dire consequences. So let's look at grace. Grace is defined as an undeserved favor lavished on us in salvation. If we go back to our passage in Romans 3, there's a chasm that separates me from righteousness, from doing good with the right motives. But verse 24 tells me that I am justified, I am made right because of God's grace and Jesus's sacrifice. In Jesus, all the wrongs are covered and with the aid of the spirit, we can do good deeds. The extravagance of his favor leaves me no room for boasting in my success, but it also leaves me no room for despair in my weaknesses and my failures. 
Jeremiah 9.23 says, Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. You and I may be striving with all our might to accomplish tasks in our day, but God is also at work orchestrating his will in your life at the very same time. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 backs this up by telling us to obey and work out our salvation. But then in verse 13, he tells us that God is also the one doing the work in us. So we're not alone in our working. Working towards accomplishing his will for his good pleasure. God is at work in us, both in our success and in our failures. This is his grace in our life. So in our successes, all the glory be to Christ our King. And in our failures, he offers forgiveness and restoration. We don't have a high priest that doesn't sympathize with our weaknesses. And we confess and he is faithful to forgive. This is why in the face of recognizing that you're not enough, Ali Stuckey says it's not just okay, it's actually great. Right? We should, we should be excited about the fact that we're not enough because Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough and sufficient to meet all of our needs and to do much more than we can ever ask or think. So what are we supposed to do with this? Now that we know about our sin, we know about God's grace, what should our response be is our last, um, well, one of our last things on your papers in front of you. Your outline, that's what it's called. <laughs> I'm assuming if you're anything like me that motherhood has taught me that I can't do it all and I can't be at all for everyone in my life and in my home. Motherhood exposes just how much I need Jesus, and I need his grace, not just at salvation, but every single day. So my encouragement this morning, I wanna leave you with two things, and they're both the same, because I'm not original. Um, first one is run to Jesus. And the second one's run to Jesus, but different. <laughs> You need to spend, I need to spend the time necessary to fall in love with your Savior and to know him intimately. And I guess uh, you're going to be talking about that with Shannon next time, which is great. Um, this is basically saying, read your Bible. Yes, read your Bible. The Sunday School answer, that's the correct answer here. There's no fluff. And I'm going to quote Phil Robertson from Duck Dynasty, if any of you know that. <laughs> But this is not rocket science, okay? Oh, I love him. He's such a practical man. Um, the answer is simple indeed, but boy, isn't this sometimes really hard to apply and tough to follow through with, especially in our busy homes with lots of little ones that need our attention. I'm asking you to do more, too, than just Bible reading. I'm talking about applying what we read by absolute surrender of your life, surrender of your ways, surrender of your dreams and your hopes for all that you have cooked up in your mind for your marriage your kids your home all of it giving it all to jesus depend and obey right the chris Mueller. do life his way it's not going to look perfect you'll be humbled and brought low but you will also experience the greatest joy and peace imaginable he promises this to his children just that in his word, when you have spent time really studying and knowing God, it's easy to surrender. 
because you see that any other way other than his is absolute foolishness. A verse that was shared with me when I miscarried and has stayed with me over these past nine years is Romans 15, 13, and it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So there is promise when you fail, when you fall short, when you aren't enough, that you can have hope that the Spirit is working and will be faithful to work in you. We can't live this life of absolute surrender without total dependence on Christ. You cannot be totally dependent on Christ without being in his word, our Bibles, every single day. Chris even said it last Sunday, the secret to the Christian life is knowing Christ, right? It's not rocket science. And really what our children need the most is a mother who walks with Jesus. They don't need the perfect Pinterest party, the handmade Halloween costume, the meal worthy of its own page in a cookbook, the cool new gadget or experience or to be schooled in a certain way, the greatest love imaginable that we can bless our children with is by us looking more like Jesus. And the only way that we can accomplish that is by abiding in his word. Only by time spent with him in his word will we begin to look like him. And I promise you, he will change you from the inside out. Philippians 1.6 gives us that promise that he who began a good work in you, he will be faithful to complete it. And most of that work in us comes with us not getting our way and with us being open-handed and open-hearted with what God has for us. Let's look at Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9 for some inspiration here and direction. This is the you know, backbone of parenting verse um, where we find purpose for our mothering. So it should sound familiar. Um, but I'm going to add some, a little monologue in between, so hopefully it's not too confusing. We'll see. Um, it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And this can't, this is Tracyism, this cannot be accomplished without daily time spent reorienting our hearts towards God's word and abiding with him. Get back to Deuteronomy. And these words that I command to you today... The ones he's commanding are found in our Bible, right? We can't know them without reading, learning, and meditating on them. These shall be on your heart. Man, are we prone to wonder, aren't we? We need frequent reminders, and we need to get back to the basics. Back to Deuteronomy. You shall teach them to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. I don't know what that means, cross-eyed. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So all that to say, plain and simple, you can't teach what you don't know, right? It seems pretty simple. Um, but how often do we try to manufacture spiritual maturity to look good on the outside and never really spend the time bathing ourselves in God's word, really allowing it to transform our hearts and then our character, and then our actions should follow. God wants our hearts. He doesn't want our outward actions. Sorry, I lost my place then because my eyes went blurry. <laughs> I need to get glasses. Uh, Sean's been bugging me about it, but I just don't want to do it. This proves his point, though. He's right. 
Um, he wants your heart, your life, your love. I go I again go back to Beale, who I talked about earlier, an author. He says, what we love, we worship, and what we worship, we become. We're created to reflect something, whether it's going to be God or it's going to be a feature of something in this created world. If people are committed to God, they will become like him. And if you're committed to something else, then you'll become like that thing, spiritually innate and empty, like the lifeless and vain aspect of creation to which they have committed themselves. I thought, like, that's really straightforward. (laughs) That's what I said. Like, that's really straightforward. Today, I want to challenge you to make the time to be with Jesus and to learn to walk hand in hand with him every moment. Again, if motherhood teaches us anything, it's that we're not enough and we can't do it all and be everything for everybody. Motherhood exposes just how much we need Jesus. We need his grace as our faults are exposed. We saw that in the last point. God is gracious towards his children, forgiving our shortcomings and sin and restoring and growing us in him, growing in grace, living in light of it and clinging to it. It will affect our children. We need grace to show us our faults. We need his cross to atone for our sin. We need his sympathy to approach his throne with confidence. We need his wisdom to guide our decisions. We need his word to revive our souls. We need his love to fill and overflow to our children. We need him to be in control so that we can let go. We need his strength as ours often falls short. Okay, number two. Run to Jesus. (laughs) Yes, it's the same at number one, but here it's a little bit different. Run to Jesus and confess your sin. For he is faithful to forgive. We as moms, I think, often feel like we need to be strong and appear like we're this impenetrable force. Um, We often feel um, that we need to appear superhuman to our children. And can I honestly appeal to you today and just say, stop it. (laughs) Uh, What they need is for you to be real and to be a human, to show them that you are flawed and in need of God's grace, not just at salvation, but every single moment of every single day. Show that to your kids, not in an emotional meltdown, okay? Um, but in a calm, rational, word-filled discussion with your children as you diligently attempt to hobble along each day to glorify God in our parenting. Show them how desperate you are for God's wisdom as you instruct them. Show them how flawed and in need of God's grace and forgiveness you are every single day. Be vulnerable with them, but within reason, right? Like no meltdowns. (laughs) Hebrews 4 14 through 16 reminds us that we have a savior that's sympathetic to our weaknesses and that we can confidently run to the throne of grace and find that help when we need it. We need to teach this to our kids, not just in our words, but in our example. In my own life, I've often found that my kids make me frustrated because I wasn't diligent to discipline them after a first time disobedience. And even sometimes when I was consistent, I still got frustrated with them because I had wrong expectations. I couldn't figure out why it was taking them so long to understand and why I had to continue to discipline them for the same things over and over again. Ha ha ha, right? Because my children's disobedience needs correction, but I need to show them the grace in carrying that out because isn't God patient with me? Isn't he forgiving of me? 
Um, parenting children gracefully means that we treat their sin with the same gentleness with which we would want to receive. And I was super convicted on this because I am a rule follower to the core. <laughs> But God is overwhelmingly gracious and restorative over and over with me. Yet I was not this way with my own kids. Um, I also thought that if I was going to be the authority that I needed to put on that face that I had it all together. But boy, was I wrong. Only God is perfect in his authority and rule. And what my children need to see from me is humility. And humility and perfectionism, they don't mix. Uh, They don't need a perfect mom. They need a mom who's willing to expose her wrongs and show them how to confess and turn from that sin and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. This often flushes out with me sending them to their room to be disciplined and then taking the time for me to go and pray and read my Bible and get my heart right before I go in to discipline them. This often looks like me asking them for forgiveness for my impatience and lack of love and grace in the discipline process. And even now as they're older, both of us together going to the Lord in the midst of the discipline process to both confess our sins. Our kids need to see us falling short. They need to see how a soft heart returns in humility to seek forgiveness from the only one that can bring us hope, and that's Jesus. They don't just need our sharing of the gospel. They need to see us living it out. Again, what we love, we worship, and what we worship, we become. We have to be authentic with our kids. They see right through our our hypocrisy of holding them to standards that we don't hold ourselves to. Be real and vulnerable with them. Melissa Kruger says it way better than me. She said, we cannot protect our children from our weaknesses. It does no good to put on the facade of perfection um, and that you've got it all figured out. At some point, my sin is going to affect my children's lives. However, the way I deal with my failure can provide an example for them to follow. Your children don't need a mom that has it all together. They need a mom that will show them what to do when they fall short and fail. We're sinners raising sinners. Our children need instruction on how to find cleansing for their souls. We teach them by leading by example regarding confession, repentance, grace, and forgiveness. We bless them by showing them the tools we use in the midst of failure. We show them how to run to Jesus and then again, back to Jesus. And then again, back to Jesus every time we fail. These are the tools they will need for the future. By you walking with God diligently, not perfectly in front of them, you display to them the tools necessary to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ. You show them God's grace working in your life refining you and your weaknesses. God can use our weaknesses as opportunities to teach our children. And that is an amazing grace. So here's some application questions. Let's go back to our examples that we talked about in the beginning and ask ourselves um, what we're going to do now. Here's some questions for you to take home today. And some of these are really convicting. And maybe you'll talk about them in your tables when you're talking about some scenarios, or we can talk about them after. But these are some things I want you to contemplate as you leave today. Am I holding on too tightly to control my home? Do I easily get frustrated when things don't go as planned? Do I have a fear of man that leads to seeking out praise and glory from others as affirmation that I'm a successful mom? Or maybe I'm on the other side of the coin. Maybe I have a fear of man that keeps me hidden in my house and paralyzed 
because I can't live up to people's expectations of me. It's all a version of perfectionism and pride. Ask yourself, what are the idols in your heart that you need to confess today and leave behind? Am I going too fast? You don't have to write them all down. Just the ones that apply to you. You know which ones. <laughs> Am I trying to manufacture godliness without authentically possessing it? Am I putting on a show? That one gets me a lot. Especially when you're an elder's wife, because everyone expects you to just be a certain way. Don't do that to us. <laughs> We're human, normal. Am I spending time in my Bible, taking in, taking it in as an absolute necessity and non-negotiable? I'm telling, I know this just seems so silly, like it's just the same. Of course, she just said to be in, her, be in our Bible. But that's, that's, that's the golden key. <laughs> that's all you need. So take time. Are you taking that time? And what's keeping you from making that time? Maybe you need some help trying to prioritize. Maybe you need some help in your planning. Um, in every season with your kids, it looks so different. My Bible reading has changed so much um, over the seasons of you know, being a mom with infants, being a mom with elementary school kids, and now being a mom with high school kids. Every, in every season, I've done my Bible reading at a different time. So don't be afraid to change things up. Um, if something's not working, don't be afraid to seek out um, advice from other moms and see what they're doing and try it. And guess what? It, that might not work for you. And that's okay. Try something different. Um, I think everybody in here is so diverse and different. There's probably everyone doing it a, in a little bit different way. There's no wrong way, especially when you have little infants. Whenever you can take it in, take it in. <laughs> I remember writing little note cards all over my house. And when I had time, I would write them out on like verses and things just to encourage my heart, and I would put them in all the spots, right, that you always go to, like your kitchen sink or in front of the washing machine or at the changing table or in my car. Um, whatever you have to do to take in the word, even if it's only a few minutes, it will not return void. Um, if you are faithful to be in God's word, praise him. I'm so thankful. Um, if you are, how have you seen him be faithful to expose your faults? and mold you to be more like him. I think sometimes we're just always cracking the whip on ourselves and it's really good to take time to reflect on how God has grown me. Or ask somebody else, if you just can't see it because you're too hard on yourself, <laughs> and maybe that's true, go to another lady that knows you and say, have you seen God grow me and how have you seen him grow me? We need that encouragement. Um, let's see, where am I? Is there anything in my current discipline process that I need to change so that I can be more biblical. We're not doing a message on discipline today, but I think perfectionism and discipline go hand in hand um, with our kids because we often hold them to wrong expectations um, or we hold them to right expectations, but we're not being completely authentic with them in our faults either. So maybe you need to change that process. I shared a little bit about how my process has changed, but um, are you sharing the gospel with your children? But also, are you living out that gospel um, every day um, by depending on God's grace and being obedient to confess sin and expose our weaknesses? Um, let's see. I think I already talked about that. Okay, my prayer for you guys today, and I'm wrapping it up, um, 
is that we would seek Jesus. And I'm going to quote Ephesians 1, 7, and 8. And it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. That's it. Thanks for having me.